What up, everybody? It's your man, Dame DMYDC. Two mics up. Another new episode. You know how we do. It's Monday. So today's guest, man, we, we just going to get into it, man. We talk about strategy, you know, and, and really helping to prepare yourself in your business, your entrepreneur, really by taking yourself to the next level, right? And sometimes we all need a mentor, a coach someone to help us plan how to get from point A to point B. Today's guest, it's really all of that. You know, back in the day, we say a bag of chips, then some, whatever it's going to be, whatever floats your boat. But we're trying, we're trying to really help uh, the community, you know, our community, achieve that next step. So I'm going to bring to you today, to the other mic, it's going to be rocking with us today, you know, an executive coach, a leadership strategist, and I'm going to leave it at there. And I'm going to go ahead and bring in today's guest because I'm going to let him introduce himself. Galen, what's happening, my brother? How are you doing today, man? Thank you for taking out time of your busy schedule to sit here with us. Uh, I tried to give you the best promo and intro that I could, but I'm going to go ahead and let you take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Yo, man, this has been, oh, man, I've been looking forward to this for a bit. And you have got, man, you got such the lineup of guests, man. You cover everything. As a matter of fact, if it's not talked about on your show, we probably don't need to talk about it. So <laughs> well, thank I, you. I appreciate that. Uh, thank you, man. I really appreciate that. I appreciate you. Now, now, please introduce yourself, man. Give us some background about who you are. Who Who's Galen yeah. first before we get into the leadership strategies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, Gal Galen Bingham. I, I, I go by the branding of the leadership strategist. I've spent... Uh, over 30 years in corporate America, working for some of the biggest brands on the planet. So worked for Kraft Foods, worked for the Imperial Sugar Company, spent 22 and a half years working for Coca-Cola North America, uh, literally working all over the country, doing a variety of things. And uh, I'll tell you, all that time, uh, the goal was to become senior vice president of sales of a, of a Fortune 500 company. And so every two years, that meant I, I, I needed to move to a different geography, manage a different piece of business, get a new experience. Uh, and a funny thing happened on the way to the, to the corner office. Uh, in my last uh, next to last role at the Coca-Cola company, uh, they brought me in to manage a geography, a four-state geography and did a you know did a great job delivered against expectations promoted my people developed my people uh, and was actually inducted into the president's club for coca-cola north america so they were saying that uh, of all the other folks in your position you, you know you did it better than anybody else wow. So they inducted me into the President's Club, and then three months later, the company went through a restructure, and they said, Galen, there's no place for you in the organization. Here's your here's your package. Oh, wow. And I was like, but I just can't. Can I trade you the, the trophy for a job? <laughs> no, that's right. <laughs> and they said, well, you know, Galen, you know, it was just the re realigning of the business, the rechanging of the of way, we're, way we want to do business in the future. 
Um, you have always demonstrated that you've got a passion and an ability for developing people. So this is what we uh, would like for you to consider. We want to give you a brand new job uh, where we would give you a third of the United States wow. uh, for the Coca-Cola system. Uh, and your job would be to go in, figure out what everyone's doing and, and figure out how to help them get better at whatever, whatever it is they're doing. Regardless of whether they're a salesperson, whether they're a marketing person, operations, whether they're entry level just out of college, whether they're the president of a division, your job is to figure out what they're trying to do and then give them suggestions as to how to get how to get better at that job. And I thought that that sounded a whole lot better than not having a job at all. I know that. <laughs> so uh, they said, hey, you know, do this for 18 months. You come back out after 18 months and then you're back on that VP track. And I said, okay, sure, sign me up. Uh, and I got in, and uh, a third of the country turned into, would you do this for the entire country? Uh, the entire country turned into, could you also do this for us, uh, not only in the United States, but in London, in parts of Canada, and wow. in Mexico? Uh, and then that turned into, Galen, can, can we... Uh, uh, loan you out as an asset of the company to some of our top customers. So Red Lobster is going through some changes. Can we loan you out to Red Lobster to do this kind of work for them? Uh, CKE Hardee's, um, uh, Darden, uh, White Castle. Uh, and um, then uh, they said, well, Galen, we've got some major proje projects with our largest client who's actually kind of behind a, uh, behind a, uh, a solid wall for us. So can you do this work for us, for our McDonald's team, kind of a global team? Wow. And I, I looked up and I um, had stayed in that 18 month assignment for eight and a half years Ooh. and uh, had just really found my passion, had written two books on leadership development. And um, you know, when they, when they realized that I was still in that role, uh, they said, "Wait a second! You were only supposed, you were only supposed to be here for eighteen months. Right. Uh, you're kind of expensive for what we're asking you to do. <laughs> uh, we either need to get you back on this VP track, or uh, you know, find something else to do." And at that point, uh, I, I had become convinced that I was no longer interested in becoming king, which right. is what the VP of sales job is. Uh, I was really excited about being a kingmaker. Uh, and so I uh, left the company in 2018, uh, got my certifications as, a, as an executive coach uh, and started coaching executives all over the world, um, focused primarily on current and future C-suite executives. Uh, and um, it, there was one point where I had more clients outside of the United States than I had inside of the United man, States. Man. Uh, and this is this is what I was built to do, man. This is what all those experiences were for. This is what the MBA at Rice was for. Mm -hmm. This is what uh, working with some of the meanest customers ever created. I can imagine. I can imagine. So that so that I could advise executives on 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 how to how to be amazing at whatever it is that they're trying to do. So you know, and really, you you really took my next question because listening, right? Having the pleasure of sitting here listening to that incredible story and that incredible background and, and the knowledge and the wealth that that you've acquired and built through that journey what has it you know been been like kind of really tasking or creating if you will your mission because did that mission and your vision change throughout time and and really how did you really hone in like when was that aha moment 
that you even knew, you know, because like you said, over time, you, you, you might have lost track originally. But then all of a sudden, it was like a aha moment had to come on. A light bulb had to come on. When was that moment? Do you recall that moment? And what was it like uh, making that switch? Yeah, yeah. Um, you, now, now that I'm on this side of history, I can look back and see how things connect. Mm -hmm. And there was a point, and I remember when I was 15 years old, Mm -hmm. And uh, my my aunt passed away. My maternal aunt, one of my maternal aunts, passed away, and so I had to travel back to small town Helena, Arkansas, okay. uh, for her service. And my uh, paternal grandfather was a minister in the area. Everyone kind of knew him, knew the name. They knew him, but this wasn't his family, right? Okay. This was this was uh, his son's married family. So he wasn't really even involved in this, but I remember going to my aunt's service and I was sitting there at the burial site, listening to the, the minister say great things about my aunt and ashes to ashes, dust to dust. And then I looked up and peeking around the corner of the tent was my grandfather on my dad's side. And he was just kind of peeking around the tent and I saw him scan the the uh the people there he looked at all of my family looked at his family and he was just checking to make sure everyone was okay and then he and i locked eyes and he smiled and then he was gone and i always that that's always stuck with me in that this wasn't his responsibility but it was his responsibility Okay. And he came in. He didn't necessarily want anyone to know that he was there, but he was checking to make sure everything was okay. And so at that point, I, I just really said, you know, for a career, I would love to have a role where maybe not everyone knows who I am, mm -hmm. but the people who really need to know understood know understood. who to get right. And um, I didn't know what that I didn't know what that job would be. I didn't know what that meant. But I just liked the idea of not everyone knowing who I was, but I wanted someone to say, uh, you know, there's only one person on the planet that can help you with this problem that you have. Yeah. And that person is Galen Bingham. So that that kind of set the set the course. And, you know, I, I followed my dad in corporate America and like I said, uh, you, you uh, had a, a very monumentous meeting with the, the senior vice president of sales of Kraft Foods when I mm -hmm. first started. He brought us all in and, and all of us, you know, recent college graduates. And he says, you know, hey, you know, uh, guys, I would encourage you to look high in the organization and try to find someone that's really, really senior who has a job that you think you might want to have someday mm -hmm. and then start developing your career so that you can sit for that interview someday. And I remember thinking to myself, wow, that's interesting, Mr. Rich Wazalowski, because mm -hmm. I'd love to have your job someday. <laughs> and from that point on, that was that's what everything was for. Uh, and it wasn't until I, I uh, started getting close to that that I realized that there was more power in being that advisor than it was in actually being the, the person sitting in the seat. You know, you bring up a, a very interesting point, uh, Galen. You know, I've had conversations with young young men, um, you know, in my career. Yeah, man, you know, Mr. D, I want to be just like you. And and I, I want to get your perspective on it because a lot of times, time, I don't I don't want you and I'll tell them, you know, young man, don't. I don't want you to be like me. I want you to be better than me. Because um, a lot of times people don't know sometimes the back history, how you've gotten to where you've gotten to the struggle 
Um, but I always believe I, I want to be that next step. Uh, I want to be able to help young men and women not only achieve what they think my level of success is, but I want them to be better than me because that's how we, if, if I can be more specific as, as a community, uh, you know, a community of people of color, how we can continue to achieve and, and move forward. And I'm just interested as, you know, someone who really works with people yeah. and developing people, you know, what is your take on that? And, and like, how do you, you know, or have you ever had that conversation with people, you know, they come up, you know, Galen, I want to be just like you, you know, like how do you mentor and mold uh, young men and women when you, if you oppose with that question? Yeah. Yeah. Well, for, first of all, great question. Mm -hmm. and, and for me, there, it's, it's usually, there are usually two sides of that conversation. Mm -hmm. uh, number one, there is value in having a, a mentor or a role model because it's very, very, very difficult to uh, pursue something that you can't see. Yes. And I, I, I often talk about that when it comes to working with uh, men who uh, have not had fathers in their mm -hmm. home. Mm -hmm. Right. And they, now they have to step up and be a father to their kids and they've never, they don't have a, they don't have a model to, to, uh, to follow or to at least compare. Mm -hmm. And I've had the luxury of having, uh, you know, a father in my home the entire time I was at home. And, you know, my dad wasn't perfect, but I get to say, wow, he did this thing really well. And I want to try to do that. Mm -hmm. Or I get to say, wow, he screwed that up. I, don't. I, I, still don't, I still don't know what I'm going to do, but I know I'm not going to do that. Right. right. Uh, and I, I just, I, my, I am always amazed at men who can be fathers and they don't have that model. Well, so for that person, that person coming along mm -hmm. saying, Galen, I, I, you know, I want to do some of the things that I'm seeing you do. Uh, I think there's value in, in saying, You've modeled some things. Tell me the journey. My brother likes to say, my younger brother likes to say, success leaves clues. Yeah. Right. So right. that's one side of it. The other side of that uh, answer for me is, is usually around um, uh, this idea of strengths leadership, which was popularized by the author Marcus Buckingham. And he basically says that um, those things that you are strengthened by, those things that you do well and that you're strengthened by, those get kind of locked in at around 15, 16 years old. Yeah. And you start improving upon them and you start refining them, but you're kind of locked in at 15. And so if you can just remember those things that you wanted to do at 15, maybe not the job that you said you wanted to have, but the right. things that you wanted to do. Um, then there, there in that, in that, um, awareness is this thing that you were built to do. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm the same dude that I was at 15, right? right? I just, I just, I have more degrees now. I know more <laughs> concepts now. I've written more books, but the things I enjoy doing at 15 are the things that I can do at a high level today. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Cause I mean, that's really the foundation really, if you will. You know, uh, and I and everything that you said, I look back at that, uh, all of those things that you said. And I, and I am that I come from that that cloth or that school. So I didn't have my dad in the home. So uh, having a mentor for me was important as a young man. Uh, and and it, I think about the foundation. So my mother being that foundation. So all of the things that she built into me from the time, like you said, younger than 15 on, like now being an adult, I hear them and I play them out more in my adult life. You know, and I was that way with my with my child and, and those type of things. 
uh, and it really is important. And it, it leads to my next question, though, because I read somewhere where you talk about experience. And that's, you know, not only the foundation, but experiences, um, you know, what experience has taught you. You know, can you kind of expand? Because I, I, you know, for those who haven't, I'm going to suggest you go out, you get behind Galen Bingham and you really dig into what this man is really putting out. It's really extraordinary uh, and it really should be tapped into. And I was just kind of blown away by some of the things that you talked about that I've read so far. But talk about the experience piece and what it's taught you and what what you can share with others that what that meant to you and how they can employ that or use that uh, maybe in their daily journey, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, for, first of all, I, I think that all of learning comes through experience. All mm -hmm. of learning comes through experience, either the experience that you've personally had from things that you've done or experience that you can borrow from other people. Mm -hmm. Through books that, that books that you can read or interviews that you can watch, you're learning from their experience, right? Yeah. Um, and uh, I, I also believe, and this is at the core of the work that I do as an executive coach, uh, I believe that we all know what it is that we're supposed to be doing here mm -hmm. on this planet. Yes, sir. We, we, we know. Uh, sometimes it's hard to articulate what it is that we're supposed to be doing, mm -hmm. but we know. And so the, 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 the primary part of my job, the first part of my job is to help my clients articulate what it is that they know that they're supposed to be doing based upon their experiences, based upon what their, their strengths are based upon who they've always been. My job is to help them articulate what it is that they already know that they're supposed to be doing on this planet. Mm -hmm. And usually when uh, they can finally articulate it, um, we know that we hit it when they have, uh, it's, I, I either call it a Moses moment or a holy shit moment. It's, it's one or the other, same thing, but same thing. Moses moment where they say, me, you mean I'm supposed to be doing that? Mm -hmm. you, you sure you're not talking about my brother? Mm -hmm. That's supposed to be, me, you sure? Mm-hmm. Because it's usually much, much bigger than than where they've been playing. Mm. And so once they have that Moses moment and they realize, yeah, you're supposed to be lead, leading this massive movement. You're supposed to be doing this incredibly big thing. You, you're supposed to be doing that. Then my job shifts to giving them the courage to take the steps that they already know that they're supposed to be taking, mm. right? Because, wow. because there is something that you were put here on this planet to do. I, I, I believe that everyone was created to be the greatest in the world at something. And your life's mission is to find your thing so that yes. you can get on yes, with sir. being the greatest in the world. Mm -hmm. Because usually I need you to be the greatest in the world at your thing because my greatness depends on that. That's right. Uh, and so a lot of that, again, goes back to um, every executive that I've talked to seems to fall into that. Every every young man or young woman that I talk to seems to fall in that once they find their thing and they find the courage to step in and own That's right. that. Thing, That's right. Then all of a sudden the world changes for them and it changes for everyone around them. You know, and I, I'm glad you said that. Cause I, mean, I found myself in that situation, you know, 10 years ago. You know, for those who know me, you know, I almost lost my life. You know, found that I was diabetic. Uh, long story short, I ended up in the hospital. They cut my chest open and found the biggest tube that they can put in my chest. 
Uh, and for 10 days, I laid in the hospital bed. Around the fifth day, I remember the doctor saying to my wife, I don't know if you believe in God or you believe in prayer, but you need to pray because we don't know if your husband is going to make it. And I remember sitting there laying in the bed listening to that. I'm looking at my wife and I'm looking at my daughter and I'm saying, God, I know this can't be it. I know you have something else in store for me. And, you know, I came out, I see people differently now. Uh, I hear and I understand things differently. And I went to a couple of different projects, different businesses or whatever, because I felt I was called to do something, right? Well, here it is. My wife comes to me. She said, you know, you should do a podcast. You should do a show. I'm looking at her like, woman, what do I know about podcasts? And what do I know about doing a show? But like you say, you know, God calls you to do something. And somebody saw something in me that I was, I was blocking. I was refusing. Here it is three years later, five, going on five seasons. And like you said, I mean, I'm humble for you to say, you know, I do try to bring a bit of everything to this show, to this platform, because I agree with you. My success is built on elevating others and, and, and sharing others' talents. That's what my gift and that's what my calling is. And that's what I need to, I'm trying to hone in on and I'm trying to highlight on because that's what my experience, my aha moment, my, my come to Jesus moment, my Moses moment, that's what it was. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So I totally get it. And I'm hoping that, like, and I say this all the time on the show that, you know, if one person walks away and understands that message and hears that message and it can empower them to want to do something positive, then we've done our job because it takes yeah. one person at a time. And I, I'm saying all of that too, though, because it's about beliefs. You know, people will, you know, come to you at times and tell you what you can and can't do. I've, you know, I've experienced it doing the show, man, Dame, you don't do this. Dame, you don't do that. Dame, you should be doing this. People going, people are going to have their own opinions and beliefs, but for you, you know, being a leadership strategist and executive coach and dealing with, you know, probably some very heavy hitters and some powerful people, you know, how, first of all, what do you believe in Galen? And like, how do you stay centered on that belief when you're, when you're dealing with challenges like that and dealing with people? Yeah, yeah. A very, very important, important question to answer uh, for everyone to answer for themselves. And I, I literally built my podcast around that idea mm. uh, because I, I spent my entire time in corporate America trying to be what I think everyone wanted me to be. Wow. Or, or what I thought every everyone wanted me to be. Th that's what I was trying to demonstrate. And that meant uh, playing small. That mm. meant you know, showing up with 70% because I found that 100% made people nervous, made people feel threatened. And actually, the podcast that I have now is uh, my second podcast. The first podcast I, uh, I came out with uh, is called The Leadership Toolbox. Mm -hmm. And it's still out there. If you do a Google search, you'll find it. And it's just, it's good stuff. I'm proud of it, but it's all inspirational, white vanilla. It's, it's mainline <laughs> stuff. It's what you would expect to hear uh, from someone in corporate America. Because right. again, I was trying to be mainstream just in case I got rehired back into corporate America. Right. 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 Uh, and I, I had a conversation with um, this person who I drafted as one of my new mentors and I was doing some work for her. I was doing some, some leadership development stuff for her. She developed the content and my job was to deliver it. And uh, I came in, I did my thing. I delivered it. And she said, um, Galen, you're really good. You're really talented. I, I can see that you've got some abilities here, but I sense that you're holding back. Mm. 
I sense that you're reluctant to share something and I don't, I don't know you well enough to tell you what that is, but whatever it is that you're holding back, I'm going to invite you to bring that into what you're doing for us because I think we can benefit from it. And uh, it was an older white lady and I was, I was polite. I was diplomatic. Oh, thank you so much for the feedback. And, and then I hung up the phone. I'm like, that lady has no idea. Who she's <laughs> I was just like, you know, all that. and then I, I spent the weekend thinking about the feedback and I was like, you know, she's right. Mm-hmm. Because that's the way you survive yeah. as an African American, especially an African American man who's mm-hmm. over six two and frequently being confused as a former NFL player. Ooh, that's the it. way you survive in corporate America. Right. By playing small and giving them just a little bit but not too much because you don't want to frighten people. Mm-hmm. And so I came back the next uh the next uh day because I had to deliver part two of the content that she created. And I said, you know, hey, look, um, you, you, you were right. Here's my story. Here's what's going on. If you want to see 100%, I'm going to give you 100% today. Just remember you asked for it. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I showed up at that next session. I gave her 100%. And, you know, folks were crying in the audience. Folks were laughing in the audience. And uh, afterwards, she came back to me and she said, Oh my God, I had no idea yeah, <laughs> that yep. that was there. And I'm going to suggest to you that you never, ever do anything less than 100%. Mm. And from that point on, the leadership toolbox was not true enough for me. And I couldn't do any more episodes of that, of that podcast. And my new podcast, uh, which is Whiskey, Jazz, and Leadership, was born. Talk about uh, that, man. That's the, I want to talk yeah. about that. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, it, w- it was born because um, the old me could ne- would never, ever admit to anyone that I enjoy whiskey, right? <laughs> and jazz, that's the old folks stuff, right? right. I'm never, ever going to admit in my old world that I enjoy some John Coltrane, some Miles right. Davis. Right, right. right? That's not cool. <laughs> I would never admit that. And then um, leadership uh, you know, every conversation I have with anyone at any time, it doesn't take much for me to talk about some sort of leadership principle or some way to help them get better. That's just that's who I've been since I was 15 years old. And so um, I created this podcast that was that's whiskey, jazz and leadership. We talk to leaders all over the world from every industry, from every walk of life. Uh, we talk about the whiskeys they drink, the music they listen to and what they think it really takes to become an effective leader. We've literally, we've talked to CEOs of major brands. I've had the CEO of the Honey Baked Ham Company, the former CEO of Anheuser-Busch. I've had my mentors. I've had my teachers. I've had my high school basketball teammate wow. and my brother and my sister, right? Wow. So we're talking to everybody. And and at this point, uh, I'm not trying to get back in corporate America. I'm not trying to right. become vice president of sales. So uh, I'm just hitting people with what they need to know. And if they can't handle it, sounds like some therapy they need to go through. Mm. Man, look, this, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, this is one of the best conversations that I've had in a long time. And, you know, I'm going to make sure that we put all of Galen's information, you know, his website, you know, all of his social media information. We're going to put that in the notes. Uh, but really brief, before we close out today's conversation, Galen, I just want to know, you know, how can people, what's the best way for them to reach you if someone's watching or listening, wants to get a hold of you and wants to, 
you know, ask you some questions or, or just to get some direction. You know, if you can just share that information really quick before we go, I'd appreciate that. Yeah, so so several several ways to get a hold of me. I mean, the easiest way is to just put put Galen Bingham in in the, in the Google search bar, and Google knows exactly where I am. But I'm on Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, my website is killglobalcoaching.com. That's the name of my firm. K I L N globalcoaching.com a uh, kill is an oven that gets up to thir- uh, gets up to 3000 degrees and it's used to melt uh, steel or to bake clay and turn that into pottery uh, my job as a coach is to hold the heat to help leaders change from who they are to who they want to be. Uh, so killglobalcoaching.com. Uh, and uh, 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 my accountability partner, a good friend of mine, Dr. Peter James, is also a high-impact executive coach. He and I are forming a partnership called Power Moments where we're going to be working with historically black and historically brown affinity organizations. So think of the National Black MBA Association. Uh, think of uh, the, the uh, sororities and the fraternities, the, the historically black fraternities and sororities. Uh, think about the, uh, the HBCU organizations. We're going to be working with those organizations, providing high-level executive coaching uh, as a part of what they offer to their membership. Uh, and uh, that's going to be coming. We're working on that right now. Um, but I'll tell you, the, the most fun way to get a hold of me is to go to Whiskey Jazz and Leadership uh, on any podcast platform. Uh, you know, we are currently on all podcast platforms. We're streaming in 20 different countries. Uh, we've got, uh, I don't know, 20,000 downloads, and one platform has got us listed in the top 3% in the world. All right. I double dog dare you to try us just once. I guarantee you, you're going to pick up something that you believe is going to help you be a more, a more effective leader. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, Galen Bingham, the leadership strategist himself here on Two Mics Up. Another great episode, Galen. Thank you again for joining me today. I appreciate you, man. We're going to you know, make sure we stay in contact. You know, As you continue to work and grow on projects, you're always welcome to come back here, join us, and talk about what you, what you have coming up next in the future on Two Mics Up. Absolutely, man. Keep doing your thing, man. Keep doing your thing. I appreciate it. So there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I'm your man, Dame DNYDC, two mics up. You can follow me on IG, Facebook, and Twitter at Dame DNYDC. You can follow two mics up on also cross social media, IG, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube at two mics up. Season five, we're, black, we're back again on the Mogul TV network. Stay tuned for more. And you know how we do at this time, ladies and gentlemen. May you stay safe, stay blessed. Mics up. <laughs> Double O seven.